Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us, ministering to us, for giving us life. Because, Lord, we truly understand you really are the giver of life. And, Lord, your desire for each and every one of us, no matter what our age might be, is that we live life abundantly. Abundantly in Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, he becomes really the main purpose for us living. And we live for him. And that we understand that this old man that we see in the mirror is dying daily. But there's another life within us that is growing and thriving. The one who we're going to look at tonight. The Holy Spirit who implants Jesus Christ in us. That he might grow in us. And Lord, we pray that as we look at your word that you would speak to our hearts. And you would keep confusion out. The Holy Spirit, his gifts oftentimes are copied by Satan and his demons for deceptiveness, for trickery. But we pray, Father, that you would reveal to us as we go through this session and these sermons on the Holy Spirit, that you would make it very clear to us the purpose of your spirit dwelling in us. And Lord, help us to see him for who he truly is. And we'll give you all the praise and give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. When you talk to people about the Holy Spirit... They got it down pat when they want to say, he's the third person of the Trinity. Well, that's how the church has really taught it. That he is that third person of the Trinity. And the purpose of these messages that are going to follow is simply this. To give us a clear view and hopefully a better understanding of the Holy Spirit in our lives. First, let me really emphasize this because you're going to hear it over and over. He is not a lesser God. He is not a lesser God. He is not. He is God. Oftentimes we call him the third person of the Trinity. Now think with me because what I want you to understand is how sometimes we think. If you're in a race, you're going to have somebody who comes in what? And somebody who comes in what? And somebody comes in after that, it really don't matter. If you're in the Olympics, you're going to get the gold, the silver, or the bronze. You're going to get that first, that second, that third. And that first is the best. That second is next to the best. And that third is third to the best. So we'll give the gold, the silver, and the bronze. Sometimes we think that way about the Holy Spirit. That he's not God. And I want you to understand something. He is God. With all the attributes of God. There's nothing lacking in him. Now, they do all have functions. And they function together. When one function, the other two are not out on vacation. They're working with that one that's doing. 
If the Father's working, the Son and the Holy Spirit's working. If the Son is working, the Father and the Holy Spirit's working. If the Holy Spirit working, the Son and the Father's working. They work in unison with each other. And it doesn't matter. With man sometimes, we fight about who's going to get the glory. Who's going to be seen. Understand something about the Trinity. That is not the real issue. That is not the real issue. And somebody's mind will go real quick to John 16, where the Holy Spirit will not speak about who? Himself, but about Jesus Christ. And that's true, because why? Jesus is the one who saves. Jesus is the one who has purchased our salvation. But it is the Holy Spirit that has to do the convicting. That has to convict you and bring you to a place of repentance that you'll really look at Christ as Savior. It is God who plans in a sense. Jesus implements it. The Holy Spirit brings it about in us. He applies it to us. And Jesus purchased our salvation. Yes, we are taught to say, yes, the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we've heard that over and over and over in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is like those are positions that they're somewhat nailed into. They're fixed into. And they can't be moved out of it. Which of you would always enjoy being considered the third place? None of us. Uh, like my sister sometimes reminds us. I don't like to always being uh, identified as the last child. <laughs> I don't I always enjoy being looked at in that manner. And at my uh, brother's funeral, um, Brother Howard, because he passed six months right after my brother Robert did. So I kind of looked at Tweet. I said, Tweet, you better get ready. She said, you're before me. (laughs) And... The whole process, we take these things in order so seriously sometimes that when it comes to the Spirit of God, we're scared to talk about Him, scared of what He does in our life, to contribute what He does in our life, to recognize Him. And it's come to such a point in Christianity that it's not the Holy Spirit working in me, it's me doing. And I think that's where a lot of us are at. Is in this self-doing rather than recognizing I do through the power of the Holy Spirit. I function out of the power of the Holy Spirit. I live the Christ life out of the power of the Holy Spirit, not the self. And that's important to be able to recognize what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. In our thinking, is always that first is the best. So God, the Father's up here. And what we need to do is see Father, Son, Holy Spirit this way. Not one, two, three, but this way. They're on the same plane. And we need to understand they all possess the same quality. For they are all deity. Who is the Holy Spirit? The Nicene Creed put it in this fashion. And the reason they put it in this fashion because men were arguing about who is this Holy Spirit and what is he and uh, how does he work? And, and they didn't understand it. When you go back and you just read uh, about Jesus Christ, you know, it wasn't no problem with God. The problem comes in when we talk about Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And that's what's so unique and different about Christianity. Now, let me share it with you in one sense, and I'm going to kind of like trip over my own words. 
Trinity is never found in the Bible. But what we see is three individuals at work. Now, it's different from three manifestations at work. It's not the same person, in a sense, dressing up in different outfits, doing something. Three individuals doing, functioning, having their own will, their own power, their own essence as being deity and God. And you're asking me, explain that. I can't. Scripture declares it. Scripture declares it. And they're functioning on my behalf. They're functioning on your behalf. And therefore, the Nicene Creed came in to declare something. That they're all equal. He simply says, Nicene Creed. The church says, He is God. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. And therefore it is written, I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, which proceeded from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son, now catch this, together is worshipped and glorified. Worshipped and glorified. Worshipped. And glorify. Sometimes we think it's totally wrong to worship the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong with praising the Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong in giving thanks to the Holy Spirit. Now understand something. He wants you to never put him first over Jesus Christ. But neither do he want you to totally ignore him and the work that he does on your behalf and in your life. And part of that's our fault because we've taught it that way. That the Holy Spirit is not to be worshipped Yes, he is. Why? He's God. He's God. And it's not an issue that one is fighting for position over the other. And that's the good part about the creed. All three of them are worthy to be what? Worshipped and glorified. The Holy Spirit is seen as equal, not lesser than. Not as important as. Each one of them have their function. And that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. How that Holy Spirit functions in our life. Go to Hebrews chapter 9 with me. Because there is something said about him in a different way than what it was said about Jesus Christ. And with Jesus Christ, it simply says that in the beginning, there he was. In John, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was where? With God. And that's how we know that Jesus Christ is eternal. He's not a made up, glorified angel, he is God. I want you to catch the word here that comes before the word Holy Spirit or Spirit. Because it's important to be able to grab that. So in verse 14, he says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal what? Yes. What is eternal? It's without being a beginning or an end. It's without a beginning or an end. It's always existed and it always what? Will exist. And he says of the Holy Spirit that 
without beginning and end, what has always been and always will be. Without end, never to cease, but everlasting. That's the quality. That's the deity of a living God. That the Holy Spirit is God. And we should not be ashamed of him. As we're going to learn about his work. And one of the things that maybe that's hurting the church today is that somehow we have gotten in our minds we have to do all this stuff rather than understanding he wants to do it through us. He wants to do it through us. And that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to equip us to be servants of the Most High God rather than fleshly service to God. A lot of us as church members today, we give fleshly service. We give service because we can do it. We give, excuse me, we give service because nobody else is doing it. But what is it to have the unction of the Holy Spirit? What is it to have the Holy Spirit prompting? What is it to have the Holy Spirit empowering you, driving you. What is that? Have we lost that? Where when we do, we're functioning just in the body. And maybe that's why we don't see much healing or many things taking place like we read about on the mission field because the people are totally dependent upon Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe we got too much of our own stuff to make things happen that the Holy Spirit somewhat is belittled in us. Oh, yes, we know he has to be in there. Yes, we know, yeah, uh, he's this and that, but... Our dependency is not on his functioning in us or working in us. Why don't we really see the gifts in action? See, a lot of us think, boy, that was just for the early church. No. That's for today. That's for today. But are we really aware of him? Go back to Genesis with me. Because in Genesis 1, just again, boy, in verse 2, Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering. The Spirit of God's there doing creation. The Spirit of God is there. He's there. He's there as creation is taking place. He's there. He was there before creation. Just like Jesus was there with God the Father before creation, the Trinity was in existence before creation ever began. And when he says, let us do, Boy, that's powerful there in Genesis. Let us. There's that counseling with each other and, or, or advising each other, working with each other. Something, I can't even put it in the words, but that movement with each other. And he says, let us create. Let us make man. Let us. And the Holy Spirit is there. Now the Spirit is a promise from God. God has promised his people the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit to dwell within us, to live within us, that we might be able to function. Because none of us can live in 
part of our problems maybe, and my problem too, is that I'm trying to do too much on my own. Um, and I forget, I need to ask the Lord. He tells me he's an ever-present helper. And the Holy Spirit is there to assist me and to help me in everything I do. The other day I had to go do something. Cause, ooh, Maybe y'all got one, one of them wives that just stay on you until you get it done. And, and I had to do this thing because my eyes wasn't even open well that morning, you know. And she said, you need to get this. Let me get out of bed first. For time. <laughs> but I guess that's one of the best times to talk about things right there in the bed. And I said, okay, I'll get it today. And uh, in my prayer time, I was having devotion. I said, Lord, would you help me to do this? Would you help it to be simple? Would you just give me the knowledge to do it and not allow me to hurt myself in, in trying to do it? And you know something? Got up there, got on the step ladder, and that thing went together just like this. How many of you prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to help you with something and it went just as smoothly as possible? I mean, I was at that thing no more. What I thought was going to take me an hour or more to do, done in about 15 minutes. And and I've been putting it off, putting it off because I was wondering, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? You know, and in the whole process, just asking God to help me with it. It went just as smooth as can be. When you invite him, he's already there. But when you invite him to help you, he's willing to do it. He's willing to do it. Why? Because God promised him to you. God promised him. Luke 24, 49, he simply says, I am going to send you what my father has promised. Who made the promise? Yes. Now, catch something with me. Who promised in Genesis that Jesus was coming? The father. And now Jesus is saying he's promised who? The Holy Spirit. Well, I want you to look at is this. There was a time period for Jesus. Now, we call it in theology sometimes a dispensational period, which is nothing but a period of time. That when Jesus was there, now we're in, as some people will call it, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit or the time period of the Holy Spirit. The only thing I don't like about dispensation, sometimes dispensation want to leave the other two off on vacation while you only deal with this one. God works together as that trinity all the way through. And they're working with each other on our behalf. Because it may be the dispensation of the Holy Spirit does not mean that the Father went and sat down and Jesus went and sat down somewhere and we can quote real quick that Jesus went up and sat down at the right hand of the Father. No, Jesus is still working. He's interceding on my behalf. Of all the false accusations and some true that Satan bring to him about me. But the Holy Spirit now is working in me to build the Christ life. He's working in you to build the Christ life. He's working in you to be a new creation because God couldn't work with that old junk you had. So he does it all new in you. You are becoming a new person. And the Holy Spirit is the one who is perfecting that work in your life. 
And Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. And all three of them are talking about me and you. Their plans for us. How they want to see us grow in the Spirit and in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is here now producing in us the Christ life. He says that that promise comes from the Father. And he says, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed. Now this is something different here. With power. One of the effects of the Holy Spirit in your life is that you have the power to overcome that which you could not do previously. Previously, you saw a young woman and you just wanted to run after her. Now you can walk the other way, no problem. You saw a good-looking young man who you thought was the Mr. Right. You can look at him and turn the other way, no problem. What you used to run after, you no longer run after. Because you're running after Jesus. What used to be your strong, lustful desires, you no longer desire that because you are desiring Jesus Christ. That's the new person being developed in you. And yes, you'll have conflict in it. And sometimes you'll ask your own self, why am I acting like this? It's because the Holy Spirit's doing something there. The Holy Spirit is changing the mind. The Holy Spirit is renewing the mind. The Holy Spirit is causing you to see things from a different perspective. You'll hear people talk about, oh, what's marriage? What's a license? What's this? What's that? Let me share something with you. That license says you have every right to what he has, and he has rights to what you have. Without that little paper, you really don't have rights. See, Elaine has no problem telling somebody, that's my husband. I have no problem telling some man, that's my wife. Why? These little things mean something. And that little piece of paper means something. It means that if, boy, if we have children and he dies early, the children can get some social security. There's a lot of things, and and, and to me, it doesn't make sense. Why would the gay community want the privilege of getting married, and those who have the privilege of getting married don't want it because the gay folks have figured out all the benefits that come with marriage where those who could get married don't know nothing about the benefits that they're losing. Go to John 14, 26. John 14, 26. Again, he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. And he says, but the counselor, boy, how many of you need a counselor? Before you ever run to a pastor to counsel, run to Jesus. Before you seek out counseling from friends and everything else, run to Jesus. Go to prayer. See how the Holy Spirit ministers. He's a counselor. He's a counselor. He will advise. And yes, those thoughts will come up in your mind and you'll hear them if you're really seeking the Lord. He'll counsel with you. The problem with us sometimes Our ways are not his ways, and he's telling us to perform in a way that we don't want to perform. And therefore, we discount it. And we want to go over here and get some counseling, over here and get some counseling. But when you hear friends, pastor, elders say the same thing, then you know that's what God is saying to you. 
God has a way of confirming His Word to us. And when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, He'll find a way also to confirm it to us that we're not confused. Why? God is not of confusion. God wouldn't have you to be confused. God wants you to know His plan for you in every area of your life. And that's the purpose of the Holy Spirit. And He's going to guide you. He's going to counsel you because that's what a counselor does. They guide you. They can't do it for you. And a lot of us are expecting the Holy Spirit to do it for us. It's just supposed to somehow just happen to us. No. As you begin to follow God's Word and walk out in faith in God's Word, you'll see the Holy Spirit work in your life. Why? He's the author of this book. Why? He's the one who gives you power to perform what this book declares you ought to be doing, what we should be living like. He gives us the power to do that. But we have to be willing to walk ye in it. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. And let the Holy Spirit then order your steps. He'll do it. He'll do it. Because He wants to guide you. He wants to counsel you. He's not going to mislead you. But the counselor... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Now, whose name is he coming in? The name of Jesus. He's coming in the name of Jesus. Why? Jesus has purchased everything you need. Jesus hasn't applied it to you. He's purchased it. The Holy Spirit takes it and a what? applies it to your life. And he's doing it because of what Jesus has done in securing it for you on the cross. He's paid the price for every godly garment you put on. But the Holy Spirit then dresses you because you're just like a child. You're just like a child. We're just like children. Children don't do a good job of what? Dressing themselves. Especially them little ones. Yes, it wouldn't have been great. You could have told them three girls, go get dressed. That would have been wonderful, wouldn't it? See, at two years old, three years old, go get dressed. Now, have any of you ever seen Yancey's kids come in here dirty? Now, he didn't tell us that Sherry did it, but somebody got to hit it. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, we're children of the living God. And the Holy Spirit will dress us in godly garments of righteousness. He'll dress us in godly garments of patience and long-suffering. He'll dress us in agape love, not fleshly love, not brotherly love, but in a godly love. He will dress us if we allow him to do it. You know, have you ever put something on your child? You put it on and they go, oh, what the, I, I want They want something else. Well, that don't go with it. And we're like that with the Holy Spirit. He's trying to put something on us, and we're trying, I don't want that. See? And yet we have need of that. And he's the one who's going to dress us and clothe us that we can be the children of God that God desires. Understand two things here about Christianity. You can present yourself to God the way you want to, and you'll find different scriptures that tell you what God does with them type of folks. Or you can allow yourself to be clothed and dressed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and you have full entrance into his presence. 
And he says, boy, he will send him in my name and will teach you some things, all things. All things. He's ready to teach you. And when you get my age and age of some of the others here, you will appreciate this second part. See? And will remind you of everything. Now, sometimes I put my glasses down and I can't remember where I put them. See? And he'll remind you. And you'll be surprised sometimes how often I'm going around the house. Lord, show me where I put. Lord, show me where I lay down. Lord, I'm asking him. And he does. Why? Because he's there on my behalf. Yet he knows in this age I need a whole lot of help. Go to me with Acts. Acts chapter 2. Because what I want you to really catch is that this is a promise, not just to the church at that time, but it's a promise to us. And, 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 and you and I, we need to uphold that promise. We need to run after that promise. We need to ask God constantly, Lord, continue, Lord, to just saturate me with your Holy Spirit. Acts two thirty-eight and 39. He says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. For the forgiveness of your what? Sins. It's in the plural form here. Sins. Not just our unbelief, but also our actions. Our sins. And you will receive the gift. Look how he's described here. He's described as a gift. Now, if I'm going to give you a gift, what, what do you have to do in order to receive that gift? You have to reach out and what? Take it. You have to be willing to receive it. You're the one that has to put your hand out there and take hold of it. If I'm trying to give you a gift and you do this, what am I saying? I don't want it. And a lot of us do that with the Holy Spirit. God's trying to give us something and then, I don't want that. No, both hands out there. Lord, give it to me, give me more. That you want more of him. And then he goes a little bit further, and he says, <clears throat> the promise is for you, that's present time, and your children, that's the next generation, and for all who are far, what? Off, that's us. Because I'm a long way off from the cross. I'm a long way off from what took place back then. But the promise is unto me. Because I'm that one that's included in the far off. So the Holy Spirit is a gift that has been promised to me by God. Turn with me to John chapter 7 and verse 39. John 7. Verse 39, John 7. Because even though the Holy Spirit was active, it was not yet His time. And God is a God of order. And He does things in His time. In the fullness of time, Christ would be born, born of a virgin. 
under the law. But what? In the fullness of time, Christ came. When God said, it's right, he came. And he's going to come again when God says, the fullness of time is right. He's going to send him again. And we ought to be looking for him. But in that verse 39, it reads, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to what? To receive. Why? Because Christ had not been taken up yet. Christ had not been taken up yet. But it's a promise that he's coming. And that's why he says for them to wait on him. Because his promise is going to be fulfilled. He says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Now, that does not mean the Spirit was not functioning and was not busy in the lives of people. For any man to repent, for any man to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, it has to be a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Man just doesn't wake up one morning and say, Oh, I think today might be my day at 11 o'clock. I'm going to ask the Lord into my heart. It don't work that way. It comes at the most unexpected time. And somehow the Holy Spirit has already been working on you, been working in your life. But he's not living inside of you. He's working on the outside. The difference between having the Holy Spirit as a Christian and a person as a sinner is that when I become a Christian, he moves inside. As a non-Christian, he's on the outside. And he's working on the outside. But he can't do on the outside what he wants to do on the inside. He has to move inside to perfect the work that he really desires to do in us. Because he can't do it on the outside. But on the outside, his main work is this. Bringing me to a place that I believe in Jesus Christ as my only way of being saved. Period. Can't be saved any other way. For there's no other name given under heaven and earth whereby men must what? Be saved. And he is the only one who can truly convince me that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Man can talk all day long. Man can show me this and show me that and show this. And you can go get another book and about everything man shows you, it will contradict in another book somewhere. But when you get to that Bible and let that author sit down with you and let the Holy Spirit teach you about his word, one of the worst things that Satan has done in the church today is remove the Bible from people holding it in their hands and seeing it and reading it. Why go to the bank talking about I want to buy a home and don't have no money? Why go to a car dealer talking about you want to buy a car and you ain't got a dime? And that's the way we are with church. We come into church with no Bible, no real desire to learn. We're just as bankrupt as can be other than just saying, I know Jesus. And a lot of folks who say they know Jesus, don't know Jesus, don't know the Jesus that you should know if you're in his word. See, Satan has robbed us. Why? Because in the word of God is all the treasures of God that he just wants to bless us with. And when we're in that book, we're being built up. We're in that book. We're receiving our inheritance. When we're in that book, we begin to understand who we are and who we belong to. When we're in that book. And Satan robs us from that. 
Let me get ready to close off of this. A couple more verses we want to hit in that whole process here. Um, in the process of ranking and really seeing the Holy Spirit, what I want you to see is the way Scripture sometimes gives it. I hope that it will help us. Because one author says it this way, whosever name you see first, they're like the captain of the team that day. <laughs> you know, uh, or they're the leader of this in that section. You know, and the other two work and assist in doing it. I don't know how much truth is in that, but uh, he's trying to give us a little illustration of why the names sometimes come up a little different. And what it is, is this whole thing in Matthew 3, 16, 17, the name who comes up first is the Son. Then the Holy Spirit. Then the Father. And that's at his baptism and so on. And then in First uh, Corinthians, let's go to First Corinthians 12, because I want you to see it. First Corinthians 12, verses 14, uh, 4 through 6, he says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, Jesus. There are different kinds of working, but the same who? God. Father. See it? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Spirit comes first. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. Jesus. And, and, and when you think about it, different types of service points to Jesus. What did Jesus say? I come not to be served, but to what? Boy, when you kind of just let scripture just kind of like talk to you. Yeah, that match. Jesus came to serve. If I'm going to learn to serve, I want to learn to serve like who? Like Jesus. (laughs) And He goes on again. Therefore I tell you that, oh, oh, yeah. Let me get back down to four. But the same Lord. And then, in that verse six, there are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Boy, that's something. You see all three. Then in Matthew 28, you all know, baptized in the name of who? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see it again. Okay. Now, in 2 Corinthians, go to 2 Corinthians 13, 14 with me. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's first now? Jesus Christ. Why? We're talking about grace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who came with grace? Jesus. Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. The love of God. God comes second. You have to be first. Jesus was first. Here it is. God is second. And then and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's third. Do you see the interchanging that Scripture gives it? It's not just a fixed Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Scripture diversifies it that any one of them could be where. But what it's also showing us that they're all on this plane together. It's not about who's first, but that they're equal. They're equal. Closing, different from man, 
it doesn't matter who is in first place. So in my praying, it doesn't hurt me to say, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Why? He's God. Who are you praying to? God. Nothing wrong with saying, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you teach me how to use this gift that you've given me? Would you teach me how to apply the love of God in my life to other people? Would you teach me how to really captivate that mind of Christ that you're trying to form in me? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have saved me. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're my sanctifier. May your Holy Spirit do that work in my life. May he truly sanctify me. And may he bring me to a place that I'm totally surrendered to you. That we are asking the Holy Spirit. He's God. And God said, you can ask anything. Jesus said, you can ask anything in my name. I'm still asking. He's God. And maybe he needs to do a work in you. I know he still has to do a work in me. And I got to seek him for that work. And I got to cooperate with him in that work. Or the self rules here. The self rules here. And what you have to get away from is self rule and Holy Spirit ruled. This is something I think that is powerful in the church today that we don't use anymore. And it's one of the last questions that I use as we talk to people. And my question is simply this. Are you being led here because of the singing? Are you being led here because of this? Are you being led here because of that thing? Are you being led here because... And the thing I'm looking for is this. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. But most of us don't identify being led by who? The Holy Spirit. I just wrote a letter for a family that used to be here at this church that is now at uh, the chapel uh, for membership. And I wrote that letter and I said, you will be blessed by them because they have a heart that is after God and they are willing to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life. And we commit them into your keeping and your time of watching over them. It's not bad for somebody to leave this church and go over to that church or go to that church. The thing is this. Are you doing it or is the Holy Spirit doing it? See, I have no problem because I've had a number of people come to me who have come through this church. And when I look at them and what they're doing elsewhere... That's what God wanted them to do. I'm the under-shepherd. I'm not the chief shepherd. (laughs) And I don't know if we understand that. And God's going to send people in and out, in and out. But in our human form, we just want to just keep growing, 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 number-wise. But if we can raise up an excellent teacher here, and you go somewhere else, and you teach... Are you still functioning in the kingdom of God? Yes. If we can raise up godly young women and they can go and nurture other young women, yes. We want to set you free to do what God would have you to do, what he raises you up to do, and that you know in your heart you're being led by the Holy Spirit. 
That's what's important. That's what's important. That you're not here for fanfare. You're not here because of choir. You're not here because of Pastor Brown. You're here only because of one reason. That you sense God, the Holy Spirit, has planted you here for a season. And most likely that's what it will be. A season. A time of growing. A time of nurturing. A time of healing. And God says, stay, you'll stay. If I can show you my prayer journal, you'll be surprised how many times I've asked God to release me. That I can go to another church. And with Howard Hayford, he, he just sent me down and Howard said, Gus, don't you move until God releases you. And there was truth in that. Because I may have went somewhere else and tore it up. <laughs> messed it up. And in my prayer journal, some of you have heard, I asked God in my lifetime, could I pastor three churches? Possibly five, but Lord, you know, now that's man putting his wishes, his desires out. And God says, no, I'm going to put you one place, that's where you're going to be. <laughs> but yet the blessing, I have a card up on my desk now. I think I asked Elaine, do you remember this woman? She, she's down in South Carolina. But the card is just thanking us for the ministry here at Akron Lions Fellowship. And the foundation that she believes she got from here. A young man down in North Carolina, Tyler, he was our youth, he was working with our youth for a while. He called, he's all excited, we talked about it, and he stepped into a senior pastor's role that he's been sitting with with an older pastor, and, and he just wanted to thank them. And every time I see one of Pastor Johnson's uh, uh, assistants down at the house of the Lord, he'll run over, he'll give me a hug, and he'll say, thanks, Pastor Brown. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. God has his purposes. You're his sheep. You don't belong to me. You don't belong to the alliance. You belong to the one who has shed his blood for you. And he's put something in you called his Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you and grow you up in Christ. Amen? Father, we just want to thank you and praise you, Lord, for being so good to us because, Lord, we're not worthy of it. But you continue to bless us and you continue to teach us through your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that you would cause us to chew on some of what we have heard. And you would help us, Lord, to be able to digest some of it. And especially the point that the Holy Spirit truly is God. He's not a lesser God. He's not in third place. He's God. And help us, Lord, not to be fearful to talk to him. For he is our counselor. He is our teacher. And because we talk to the Holy Spirit, it does not put Jesus in a second place. For Jesus is always preeminent. Jesus is Lord of our life. And he would not be Lord if the Holy Spirit would not have convicted us and have made it so that we would know to surrender totally to him. So Lord, minister to us. And as we go through this series, help us to get a new glimpse of the person of the Holy Spirit. And help us, Lord, to desire to know him more. Let us not be fearful of his power. 
He's the one who is still in charge of his gifts. It's not my gift. It's his gift that he implements through me. His power is implemented through us. It's not my power. It's his power. And Lord, forgive us for claiming something that is his and under his control and not ours. But Lord, may you minister to us. May you nurture us in this area. And may we develop a new, exciting relationship with your Holy Spirit. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.